This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Label Clothing Company. Uh, they have been a huge supporter of mine for many years now. And anytime you see me wearing a dress shirt or a suit, it is from them. Uh, everything is custom made. And anyone who knows me knows I hate wearing suits and I hate wearing dress shirts. I not only look dapper, but the clothes feel great and uh, wear really well. So anyone in the need of a custom suit, definitely hit them up. You can find them online at label.co. What is up, everybody? Today, I am joined by none other than celebrity chef Ron Ben-Israel. I know you guys know who he is, and Ron is uh, someone I call a friend, but more importantly, he is a gem of a person. His enthusiasm for cakes and the artistry behind it is uh, second to none. He has uh, revolutionized, in a lot of ways, the way people perceive dessert at events, and he is a, by far, in my opinion, a genius. He's an all-around amazing person, and I think you will see his enthusiasm, his passion for what he does, and more importantly, the upbringing he had and how that shaped his life today in the United States. So without further ado, I bring you my friend, Chef Ron Ben-Israel. Hello. <laughs> I was expecting something dramatic. So today I'm joined by my guest, Ron Ben-Israel from Ron Ben-Israel Cakes, uh, and it's really an honor and a joy to have you here today because... Um, number one, I think what you do is, you know, can't be just described as making cakes. I feel like you're an artist who has um, entered the realm of baking because you guys create works of art that are then presented at, at live events. So it's far more than just baking a cake. Um, other than that, I mean, you're one of the most beautiful souls in the world that I've ever oh, met. So thank you. Um, and you know, are you going to talk about our relationship? <laughs> we'll keep that off camera for now. No, but we we've done so many things we together have. beside events, right? Yes. Yeah, so we've we've actually done a Pesach program or Passover program yes. for those who don't know what Pesach is, where Ron was flown out to be the celebrity chef and do a cupcake bake off for uh, both for the adults and the kids and the kids, and, the kids. and we tidied up with stories from the um, testament and activation. <laughs> yep. So there were a lot of opportunities to shoot. I have the best photos of me and the kids and the parents. <laughs> it, it's a whole different thing, you know. It, all of a sudden we are half educators, half entertainers. Yes. Uh, and not just behind the camera because you were involved of in course. it too. Wow. I missed that. That was fun to it do. It was. We'll do the next bar mitzvah together. <laughs> as so, so you've done so much, Ron. So where, where do we begin? I guess my first question to you would be, how did you get into baking? And then how did you get into baking? Okay, Anthony, let's make a deal. I'll tell you everything if you answer some of my questions. I'll answer anything you ask me. First of all, I never thought about your voice <laughs> always thought about you behind the camera sure. and as a as a friend and now i'm listening to your voice and it's perfect for the radio oh thank you did you ever had a career in a broadcast this is it right now it's well, happening it's so. let me do anthony vasco <laughs> live from 38th street <laughs> it's great i love i love you making me blush. and you know we don't really drive here we take the subway or cars but people around the country tell me that they love the uh, they love the broadcast, or I call it broadcast, but it's really podcasts because they can drive and listen. Of course. And then they have questions, and it's really very fruitful. Yeah. But also, do people know that we are a block away from each other? I don't know that many people know that, no. So we are in the heart of the garment district, and it's yeah. important for me to say because four years ago, we were in a crisis. We had to leave the very expensive list in Soho, and I looked all over. Mm. I actually liked Harlem as well, but... 
settling up in Midtown is so good for us, for yeah. you. For so a lot convenient. Of, yeah, a lot of architects, artists, dressmakers, of course, this yeah. is the fashion district. I mean, Marion Bennett Orchestras is here now as well. See? So a lot of people have yeah. migrated to Midtown. And rentals, and it's close to the wholesale flower district. All the bridal designers are here. And the food is amazing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a win, win, win. Yeah, I know. So it's nice to be in uh, CC New York, moved to the CC's neighborhood. on 37th or 36th. Right. Yeah. Juan Stroud, the florist, moved to 36th Street. Wow. So we are trailblazers. We're taking over. Yes. <laughs> so we we built our bakery in what was a shoe factory, a whole wow. floor. But I love that it's making things. Mm. It's not just abstract. We have a factory for yeah. making cakes. So make some crazy cakes. Yes, crazy cakes. <laughs> So how'd you get into baking, Ron? I always loved baking. Um, my mother was from Vienna, and mm. she was a working mother, but occasionally she would make some treats like strudel, mm. which is the filo dough wrapped around apples yeah, and cinnamon. It's my favorite. Hot with ice cream. I'll make you some. Okay. So we didn't use ice cream. My job was to whip up the cream. Ooh. And in Austria, they call it Schlagobert. Mm. So I loved that. And a lot of our aunts and uncles and neighbors were Hungarian and Polish and German. So I grew up with really good baking around me. And I had such a sweet tooth. Mm. So cakes with poppy seeds, with nuts. Mm. Uh, not so much buttercream, but more the doughy kind. Uh, and there's a cake that to this day is my favorite. It's called Kugelhopf. Cool. Eine Kugelhopf. It looks like a Turkish turban and it's made with yeast. <laughs> And just a dusting of powdered sugar oh, and oh. whipped cream. I mean, I wish I had a piece right now. So I. Uh, and little vanilla. <laughs> and my mother always used to let me grate lemon rind. Mm. So those memories are very important. But I never thought I'm going to become a professional in baking. It wasn't really a venue. I thought about it. Both my parents were visual artists. But artisans, my mother drew up maps and my father was um, a color specialist. He worked in printing. Oh, wow. So I went to art school and I thought that what I'll do was practical art, not art for a museum, but theater sets or graphic design. And that was my course. And I think I thought that that's what I'll do. And when I came to the United States, I did work as a window designer and showroom designer and didn't think twice about it. But, you know, as faith had it, I would always bring cakes that I would bake at home for the crew for lunch break. And one day the head designer said to me, we are working on a showroom for China and porcelain. And he asked, can you make some cakes to show off the dishes? I said, sure. So I started doing that and people got really excited. I had no idea what I was doing. I based it only on my graphic design experience. But I went to a store in Chelsea to buy more supplies. And again, by faith, I'm saying faith with brackets because mm. there's really no court marks. Sure. What, who, what's faith? Faith. Uh, I met the woman who became my decorating mentor. She was running a class there at the shop, and we got to talk to each other, and she invited me for the class, and I never left. I got hooked so quickly. It was just the most amazing thing to be able to take powdered sugar, butter, icing, and, and create flowers. So actually... That lady, Betty Van Ostrand, just turned 91 years old. She still teaches. And we're going to visit her this week in Poughkeepsie, where she lives a bunch of 12 bakers oh. who were influenced by her. So we're going to pay homage. And she's going to show us some of the new things she's working on. How old is she again? 91. And she's still working. And she's working. She doesn't sell cakes, but she continues teaching. And she develops new ideas. Mm. And then she's happy to share it. And of course, I always give her credit. So thank you, Betty. Oh. 
since that time, things just continued by faith. Uh, I didn't think I'm going to have a business, but I created some cakes for shop windows. One of them was Mikimoto, the Japanese pearl yeah, company sure. uh, on Fifth Avenue. And I created two cakes for the windows for Mother's Day. And the store staff told me that I better get some business cards made because people were stopping by asking not about the pearls and the jewels, about but that. about the cakes. But I really didn't think about making cakes for a living. And then I get another call. Are you ready? So the caller said, hi, is that Ron? Yes. This is Martha. Mm. It was Martha Stewart. She called me in person. She was starting a wedding magazine, and she told me to meet her for breakfast. She baked scones, and we had a lovely talk, and she said, how about designing some cakes for the magazine? And we started working together. We always got along, and I found out that Martha likes chefs, and people who know what they're doing. So I had to pretend that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but she started asking, why don't you start baking professionally? Why don't you sell the cakes? And she even gave me a name of a, a merchant for ovens. We started talking about it. And one thing that happened over the years, I really had no green card. Mm. I was an immigrant living underground. Wow. I came here on artist visas and they expired. Mm. So I was living in a limbo, and then Martha said, why don't I send, I write a letter? Martha said, I'll write you a letter for immigration, and why don't you apply for the category of a special artist? Who would have thought about that? So it took some convincing, because I didn't see myself as an artist. I thought I was a cake maker, and I still think I'm a cake mm -hmm. maker. But guess what? I was approved, and I'm very happy wow. to say I immigrated to this country, and I became a citizen. What year was this? Uh... I the first general election that I voted was uh two two election cycles ago. Okay, so so that would have been Obama the Obama administration. Yes. Okay. So Michelle Obama got to be our first lady because of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway, so I'm it's still very much a highlight of my my year when I go to vote and I love jury duty. And people think I'm joking, but it's true. Did you bring kids? pastures yes i did actually <laughs> yeah for the last day of it deliberation i served on jury duty and i loved it because when you do it downtown new york city you meet all your peers mm. and yes you have to take time off work but it's so exciting and it's so unique to the american culture so i'm a big believer in this country of course we go through ups and downs and changes but just like cake, we always rise. Ah. That's a good line. Let me repeat it. <laughs> just like cake, we always rise. So did you, wait, going back a little bit, did you grow up in Vienna? No, I grew up in Tel Aviv, Israel. Okay. So but your, your ancestry is from? Vienna Russia. and Czechoslovakia. And okay. my parents practically escaped the war. That's what I was, that's what they I was saying. They went through the Second World War. And as young people, they arrived to Israel. They met each other there. And I was the first. So they were able to get out before. No, no, through. My mother was smuggled by American volunteers from the ghetto. She lost her parents and she was smuggled from the ghetto to in Vienna to a farm and then on the famous boat Exodus. Mm -hmm. But my father and went. And brought to Israel from there. Brought to Israel. And my father and his parents and the whole city went to Auschwitz. Oh. And I remember his uh, tattooed numbers. So we lost most of our family, and uh, it's something that we obviously learned but talked very little about with mm. my parents because it was so painful. Mm. The healing started with the next generation. My sister has three sons, mm. 
and they would start talking to my parents about it. So we would just That's listen. The grandchildren. Yeah, the yeah. grandchildren had, um, and you have a colleague, another photographer, Brian Marcus, sure. who's very involved in the Holocaust Memorial. Of course, and, and yeah. Growing up in a family of immigrants in Israel and having such a varied background and very vibrant cultures, I felt very much at home in New York City. Mm. I enjoy traveling across the United States, but I do not feel at home in LA. Yeah. Uh, Does one, anyone feel at home in LA, though? They pretend to. <laughs> I'm also fascinated by uh, the South. Mm. So I, I go often to Savannah, Georgia. I teach there. I've been to Atlanta. I've been to Tennessee, uh, Memphis, uh, Baton Rouge. So the culture is fascinating. I find it very picturesque. But New York is home. So let me ask you a question then. Because of the, your ancestry and that um, you have become so successful in business, how much do you credit that to being the child of Holocaust survivors? Really everything. So yeah. I, since this is podcast, I kept saying quotes, quotes, faith, faith, faith and fate. Mm. It's all about that. I feel that everything, obviously, in hindsight, you know, you suffer through the daily challenges and heartbreaks or excitements. But looking back, I see a course mm. of, of almost feeling guided. But it doesn't help me today when I have to deal with a broken machinery or, or a person who is sick and doesn't come to work or a client who's, let's say, special. <laughs> In the industry, we don't say difficult. Special. Special talented. needs. Special, talented, talented, talented. Everybody is wonderful. See, but I always look at things in relation to, so when you, when, right, when, so when we think about like machine breaking, machines breaking or, or those kind of issues coming up in our day-to-day -day business ongoings, you know, when you take that into comparison to what people who, um, you know, like your parents had to mm -hmm. suffer through, it really is nothing. In, in the grand scheme of Absolutely. life, you know, like, and, and I always think about in relation to what we do, we're so privileged to work for, you know, in, in all reality, some of the wealthiest families in the world who throw some of the greatest parties in the world for four hours. And what a juxtaposition that is to what are to what your ancestry went through. If right. you think about it in that, yeah. in that perspective, it's very interesting that you bring the fact that we operate in New York city, which is an expensive place. And the kind of parties that people do here and the expectations are so high, and we're lucky to work for the higher end. Sure. Higher end is overused, but you can look at the books, and you can also look at the amount that our employees get paid. Even my supply of butter gets paid more of than course. what my colleagues in another state get paid. So everything is more costly, but we also deliver more. You know, once in a while we deliver a cake long distance to other parts and it's shocking to see the environment. And I'm saying it not with criticism, it's just the fact we would bring an elaborate cake that has been driven for 12 hours in a refrigerated truck by two people to a tent somewhere on a beautiful meadow and they'll be using folding chairs. Yeah. As opposed to uh, ballroom chairs. Sure, or, sure, sure. You just see this, or oh, the tablecloth would be shredded. Mm -hmm. So we have a ex very high expectation. The high, I feel the highest. I mean, really, I don't know that there's a market, maybe LA in certain degrees, but I think volume-wise, there's yeah. no other market like New York. So without pinpointing location, there's always been a culture of more, but not more better. So when I see things that even happen uh, internationally, there are some countries that 
for instance, on Instagram, you see a grand wedding and a cake and the buffet will all be so lavish. But when you look close at the details, sure. they're not very well made. Yeah. And in New York, there's attention to both, of course. Uh, but it's it's wonderful that people allow us to to do what we love doing. So, to with your story though, so Martha now opens this door, right? So, so I did my first break was really because that's crazy. Like in 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 you know for people to to understand the concept of that is you know twenty years ago Martha's starting her magazine and you so happen to be one of the first people she asks why why did you say yes. Well, obviously it's You're kidding? Story. I loved oh, yeah. her and yeah. I admired her. And it's not that I had many other offers, <laughs> but um, it was a great vote of confidence. Sure. And I used Martha and her crew of art directors, especially um, Darcy Miller, who was sure. one of the founders with Martha. They were very helpful for me. In, in I already liked the um, print arts and graphics and, uh, and visual arts. And they helped me understand about photo shoots mm. still life um is that why your pictures are always so good coming from you that's a great compliment yeah. I'm, no no seriously you curate really good photos everything's always professionally shot and there's never anything on an iphone on social so a little obsession doesn't little help bit, know, right you know, you know yeah i'm, I'm of course obsessed that's the thing you know we're jumping on topics but when i train and i've always been teaching uh, because my employees were students that became employees. Mm. And so every art director that I had started as a apprentice and then they rise up. You cannot teach the need to go to, you cannot teach somebody the need to become perfect. It is something inherent and mm. I learned it from my parents and I see it. And when I meet clients, you know, we have such a variety of backgrounds. You see it a lot in the immigrant families. Uh, and we meet Persians and Indians and people from all over the world. And I find out that those that immigrated many times have businesses and they're very disciplined. You know, think about the Korean community. Sure. How important education is for mm. them and discipline and the family. So it's very inspiring. And I think right now, I mean, we talk about this a lot on the show because my dad, um, my father, came from Puerto Rico, um, and I always say he immigrated, but really he migrated because Puerto Rico is part of no. the United States, so you don't immigrate. But the concept of coming to a country where you don't speak the language mm -hmm. you know, holds true. Um, you know, he was fortunate enough to be an American citizen when he came over, but he still didn't speak English. Um, and he came over in a time where uh, Latin Americans weren't very well, well received in this country, mm -hmm. very similar to mm -hmm. kind of what's going on right now. So for me, that whole immigrant mentality and immigrant work ethic is something that's really important because I do think immigrants by and large outwork Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean not that we are the only one who work here. Of course not. There is, there is something to the immigrant mentality of work. Right. And because, we need to be proud of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you think about Martha Stewart, she was always upfront about uh, coming from a Polish background and adopting that kind of baking and homemaking. Yeah. Uh, nobody, she doesn't pretend to be somebody else. She became a, a diva in a wonderful way they, uh, sure. with everything she does, but it's from hard work. And an inherent style. No. I mean, I think people always want to undercut, you know, and, and I think the issue we have, especially in today's Instagram age, is someone sees a Ron Ben Israel finished cake as your product, right? Mm -hmm. They don't realize that, you know, 40 years of mastery went into that 
curating that eye, the ability to produce that, and then the ability to execute that on top of running a business and working weekends and all the things that go into it to just put a cake out and say, oh, it's people oversimplify the process. Yeah. Does, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it's not as simple See, as no, it, it. At work, we, we can't say my full name all the time. It's obnoxious. So we call it an RBI cake, RBI cake. Yeah. Just like in Instagram, we chose RBI. Uh, it's just easier, but it's the collected uh, wisdom and practice of my for my yeah. parents and of their course. generations. And then everybody that works with me brings that. And when we tie in with the right clients and the right vendors that we partner with. So working, when we get inspired by invitations and stationery, it's amazing. You as the photographer would document it, the actual event, but I prepare with the florists, with the event planners, many times with the chefs, and we offer them the menu. So it's such a sense of collaboration and it makes it exciting. So once I started with print and also modern bride and brides and elegant brides, I think about 20, between 10 and 20 years ago, that was the, the time of print publications. Of and we had so many magaz- magazines devoted to weddings. InStyle Weddings was really strong, New York Weddings. So we developed those stories. And through that, I learned a lot about my craft. At what point did you realize that you were on to something? So obviously when Martha sits down with you, I mean, at the moment, you probably didn't understand the scope of what was going on. Let's let's backtrack for a moment. You mentioned up how people on Instagram and social media attach titles to themselves and yes. they would say things like, I'm a celebrity baker. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, well, I'm a celebrity makeup artist. What does that mean? Does it mean that your clients are celebrities or are you yourself a celebrity? I think and, what is, and what is a celebrity, <laughs> you know? Uh, I feel like a celebrity when I walk home around Times Square and tourists stop me and ask for uh, a selfie. I'm so happy. I would say I'd pay them to take a photo of with course. me. It's a validation. What an honor. Right? It, it no, feels it really amazing. Yeah, it's an honor. But it's not the kind of, it's, they know me because of my work, not because of my beauty. <laughs> well, I also feel in, in 2020, in 2019, the word celebrity and the concept of celebrity, you know, there's, there's levels and there's also Instagram yeah, Everybody's a celebrity. Everyone's a celebrity. But, you know, it's Justin Bieber is a, is a massive celebrity. And it's funny, I did a wedding recently and, and the, the artist was like, what do you do? He's like, I mostly work with celebrities. And I've heard that a million times, except I went on his Instagram feed. It was like Rihanna. It was legit, you know, the Kardashians. And he's a celebrity hairstylist and he travels around the world doing only celebrity work and you can hire him for weddings if he has nothing else he was very very expensive but he happened to be a really nice guy and he also happened to actually work with celebrities which i was like oh he actually works with celebrities because so many people use what you that word of you know they want to attach themselves to celebrities but they're not actually working in that world since you brought up the topic of celebrities and we jump around but i always had a rule i never so we talked a little bit about money and, and clients that can afford us, and I would like to talk about it, but also celebrities. I always, I don't worship money. Mm. I worship talent and people who can produce things. And that's why I get along with people in the industry because I admire what they do and I have so much to learn. And I, I love when people ask me to contribute. So when somebody who's well-known or think they're well-known calls or the people call and say, we are getting married. We're expecting you to provide us a cake. The answer is no. Mm. So I always, I felt a little guilty commanding the money that we do. And we always contribute to City Harvest, which is the first organization in the nation that started here in New York City to fight hunger. Mm. 
So it's such an honor to be part of this organization. We have a chef's council and donate cakes and activities to fight hunger. Mm. So the way I balance it is we spend a lot of effort and money on producing cakes, elaborate cakes, and then we help the hungry of New York City to survive. Mm. But I would do cakes for charity, and we always have special consideration for people who serve, civilly serve us. So people who are fire, firefighters, if we have firefighters, um, Veteran. policemen, veterans, there's always a consideration. And of course, if you're on Broadway, because I love Broadway, uh, but everybody else pays full price. And in, in, in running a business, right, as you've elevated and become, I mean, I arguably say, right, the top wedding cake designer in the United States or, or the world at this point, Ron. Um, Anthony, what about the galaxy? <laughs> what, are the, yeah. what are the hardest obstacles you're faced with? So are we done talking about rich people? Yeah. Okay. No, just the thing is, <laughs> I want to go back to that because when you mention celebrity, I don't believe in buying celebrity. Mm. Uh, and that's why I love social media, especially Instagram now. We don't have to pay. We have to contribute artistic content. Mm. And that's what I've done with the print. I never bought advertisement and we contribute. Mm. So that's the way I deal with the finance of it for now. And what was the question? What's the biggest hurdle you're faced with? Myself. The biggest hurdle for my success is my own personality. I'm, I'm not being uh, coy here. You know, I appreciate things that I was given and inherently, but I'm not an easy person to live with coming from my own self. Mm. So I have to deal with personality, you know, the bouts of jealousy, anger, frustration, uh, lack of refinement once in a while. And then I have all the other things that are great. I know how to talk. I like to communicate with people. I like to create. I like to work. I like repetitiveness. I like to uh, practice until it's perfect and then mm. it's never perfect. But balancing all those qualities, I'm not um, easygoing. Mm. You know, people say, I'm easygoing. I'm an open book. Years of therapy teach me that I'm still peeling the onion yeah so but I, I, you know i mean i don't mean to cut you off but in all seriousness i think what you're saying is, is spot on because if you don't have that dedication of repetition you, you can't achieve greatness or excellence in what you do i think if you if you just go through the motions and you don't put in the amount of work and mm. and focus in on that you're it's mediocrity right and, and and you're going to produce something that's mediocre if you want to produce something that is elevated at the highest level you have to be obsessed there's no question about it in my mind right. but you can't just be one thing the reason i bring my own personality is because i'm very good with emergencies mm. uh traffic heat difficulties with clients i i can handle it all 9-11 came along and I took care of everybody around me and produced. So, because I'm used to emergencies, mm. it's the times that things seem to be working okay and you, you let go of your guard mm. that something will happen. Of course. So, ultimately, everything that happens to us, hurricanes, floods, we handle mm. sickness, health. How do you deal with the daily life? How do you deal with Irritation, lack of patience. I say therapy, sense of humor. We have to laugh, right? Good friends. Um, I have 
friends in the K community that we call each other and commiserate or celebrate our successes. Uh, I can call a photographer for help. I can call an event planner to help me when things happen. Uh, we go out together. I, I invite people to go to the theater with me. We have our own parties. It's very important. Otherwise, you, you work in a vacuum. Mm. So that's the challenge. Everything else we can handle. What are you, in, in terms of running your business, though, on a day-to-day -day operational? Is it is it managing the staff? Is it... Let me think about it. What's the hardest thing? In yeah. There are the objective difficulties, such as air conditioning failing, refrigerators that break, the internet going down, people are sick. But I think the hardest challenges are not the cakes themselves, it's people. Yeah. Both clients and ourselves you know one day i'll be in a great mood and i'll be more creative and tolerant and some days i'll be uh, obsessed about nonsense and the same thing happens to my employees and colleagues so that's why i keep talking about personality i can manage physical challenges mm. but it's the, the soul and the psyche that are harder because they're not as definable mm. That's why I go to therapy. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> and much more. I mean, you realize over time that it's not all black and white. Mm. Um, there's another thing. I don't rest on my laurels. I enjoy success, but I'm never sure the cake would be a success. And I may like a certain creation, but until I see the photos that you created, that you captured, and until I know that the clients have been happy, I don't rest. Mm. So it never really ends. And then it's like opening night on Broadway. You open and then you have another show and another rehearsal. And another, it, it's always, I'm, I'm thinking now it's Monday. I'm thinking about the rest of the week. Now, uh, as you've elevated and built this brand, I always say it's harder to maintain a brand than it is to build it because once mm -hmm. you've now reached a certain level of success, people have that expectation that every time you go out, it's got to be a home run. It's got to be a 10. There's no, you know, you can't have an RBI cake. That's a five. Every Everything that has your name on it. What's that like once you've hit that mark and now the pressure People are coming to you because of what you do. And now you now need to deliver that consistently. Anthony, you're asking really deep questions. I should come more often to, <laughs> to, to think about the questions you bring up in the discussion. Let me try and break it down. It's very hard for me to accept, but it's the reality that not everybody will be 100% satisfied at all the time. I'm not. I can't imagine. Can't imagine. Well, so the saying that I, I, I talk to my partners at work is, we have to make sure that the cake is executed as perfect as possible. Mm. Um, even though we would have seven or eight pairs of hands working on a single cake, it should look like one one creation, just like a, a couture gown. Many, many people work on the lace and the beading and the cutting of the fabric and the sewing, but ultimately it has to look like a designer dress. So this is our example. But once in a while... So the execution has to be as neat and perfect as possible. But there would be a simple cake that you realize once you finished it, there was something really special about it, like unusual. We, we stumbled on unexpected solution that that becomes a trend. Mm. And then I would do a cake that we've done hundreds of times and it's still perfect, but it's less exciting for me. And you can't predict it. 
So we're trying to maintain the level all the time, but whether it's going to be received the way I want it, I have no control over. And it's like a performance. You know, you make, you capture the event and you try to capture every participant, right? Of course. Every grandma and every celebrant. We and try. Then, I mean, again, no, what you said is perfect. I, I think there's just certain people that, you know, no matter who works with them, they're never going to be happy because they're those clients, you know, and um, they're not happy with anything yeah. in life. So why would they be happy with my pictures or your cake? Um, I think what I've gotten personally better at is making sure I don't take them on as clients as I've gotten older because I sense that when I first meet them. Like it kicks in and you go, eh, maybe they're not the right ones for me. And I think the ones you say no to, I've learned, are more important than the clients you say yes to. And I think the whole point of us building brands that excel at a really high level is to be able to say no to people. Otherwise, why do we get into this? Since we're going in this direction, what about mistakes? Because I can admit now that I have made mistakes. But we're human. See, I look at it and say, you know, we're human. It's how you deal with the mistake, right? So if if my company is at fault in something, I'll be the first to admit it. And how do we now improve upon that, number one? And then how do we make it right for the client? But what happens when you make mistakes or you did not fulfill expectations where the wedding is once in a lifetime event? But, you know, Ron, it's, it's... no doubt we're pressed with a hard thing, but if I gave, this is how I look at it. If I gave a hundred percent of my effort and something didn't go right, and sometimes shit just doesn't go right, but I tried my best. I'm okay with that. It's if you don't show up correctly, you know, I'm always on time. I'm always prepared. I'm militaristic in how I run my business and how I prepare for my, for my work. Sometimes stuff doesn't go right. And, you know, again, you could be driving a case cross a cake cross town. Some uh, it could get into a car accident. I mean, there's a million things that go wrong. All these happen. And all these happen. Yes. A- and they're out of our control. Um, but I think when you approach things from a humanistic perspective and say, "Hey, listen, this is life to a certain degree," and you know, we didn't ruin the wedding. And yes, it is a once in a lifetime event. But we have to keep in a grander scheme, which is. We're humans. Things happen, and we need to move on. It's how you deal with, the, I think, how you deal with the mistake. And as long as you learn from it and grow from it, I'm okay with them. <laughs> Do you want to hear more stories, though? Please. Let's make. Let's yeah, keep sure. it real. Yeah. So we are really late. You know, we 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 talked about the website that the city provides about street closures, sure. and we always look this at right it. Right now, and, happening you know, by the Rainbow Room. Right. We can't get near that building right, right. now. Which is a big challenge because you cannot deliver a cake 12 hours in advance. It and be you too also soft. can't carry it eight blocks if anyone's seen Ron's cake. No, no right, right, it's right. not like it's something you can... So we have plan A and plan C, but things happen beyond your control. So a few months ago, one of our refrigerated vans was in a frontal accident. And the first thing that two um, crew members did, they texted me a picture of the airbags and the front of the van crushed glass, the whole thing, and it wasn't their fault. And I'm so grateful that I did not say, how's the cake? I said, how are you? That was my first reaction. How's the cake? I thought that, but I said, how are you doing? Are you okay? (laughs) And they were. How quick did you ask, how's the cake? No, I immediately. You you gave it a minute. But then they sent me photos, and the, the van was parked on the side of the road, and we waited for a replacement because we have a plan B. But meanwhile, I texted the photos to the party planner, and I used my new line that I now learned and I'll share with you. And the line is to... Because I predicted the bride said, you're ruining my wedding, or uh, if the cake here is not on time, or if something happened, you are in charge of the, my happiness. 
So I sent a picture and I said, thank God nobody died. So don't, you know, I think that the cake is the most important thing in the wedding, of course, because that's what I do. But it's not about human lives. So we managed, we went over, we fixed the cake, we got another truck, but really there were no human lives lost. And that made sure that nobody's going to... But, you know, there were occasions I enjoy the digital photography and the tools we have today. I mean... It's amazing. I don't know how we would do a business without the support. We did, though, for so long. I never did a business without the, the Mac. I was yeah. always... But no, without all the crazy advancements we have in technology, without iPhones right. and cameras. Right, right, right. I think it, business it, was easier back 20 years ago because it was less complicated. It was more more linear. You know, you showed up, you shot 20 rolls of film in our case. Oh, the film. Um, it was great. Uh, there was no editing and retouching at the level we do now and um, and servers. and It just was... Right. So we Instagram. used to, in the beginning... I miss, I, miss, I miss life without Instagram. I used to be a lot on the phone with my headset. I would decorate the cake and sit with the headset and talk to clients. And then we would mail contracts and things like that. But I love the technology. I We use a lot of email... Not texting, but email. You and I text to each other, but with clients, it's email. But the problem is lack of understanding the limitation of digital. So mm. few mistakes that I've done were where I accepted a digital photo of color samples, color swatches, or flowers, reproduced them in icing, mm. and then the bride said it's the wrong shade of purple, or mm. even more, like you gave me blue and I wanted purple. So I learned the hard way, and I had to compensate the client for that. So now we insist on everything being physical, a sample of the invitation, a Pantone color swatch. But these things that were my mistakes. I didn't foresee that there'll be a misunderstanding. See, I think people in, in, in our culture currently were mistake adverse, right? So people want to avoid mistakes, whereas I'm, I like mistakes because they give you a platform to grow. So if you make a mistake, if you never made that mistake, you wouldn't know you did something wrong and then you can't correct it. Anthony, what are you saying? If one day I get married and you shoot my wedding and here I am on the chair ready to do the horror and you went to wash your hands. No, but I would never do that. Well, you don't wash your hands while you don't go to the bathroom. I do, but not during the horror. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be eight hours without a break. So Of course. I always think about that. I mean, I would you have to know when to, like, you know, again, like I've been doing it for 25 years now. You know when to take a break and it's, okay. you know, you have breaks, cocktail hour, you have an hour where people are just eating. That's the time to take a break. During the first dance in horror, bad time to take a break. Okay. That being said, I'm sure there's people out there who do things like that, but we try to avoid those kind of. Do you ever shoot only by yourself or is it? No, there's always with a team. I mean, so there's the, a backup. Yeah, right? we have to. And, and you know, it's the right way to do it. If not, you're just cutting corners and providing a client a lesser experience. Plus, I'm, I'm so paranoid. What if I fall and broke my ankle the day of the wedding? I need to have Two, two, two. Yeah. <laughs> Good for me. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like that too. And, you know, we don't have, from the very, very early on, even when I rented spaces from caterers to work at, I had more than one refrigerator, more than one mixer, you know, and it's... Oh, if you mixer, if you're a baker and your mixer breaks, what do you do? Hand mix? Well, I started with a hand-me-down flea market purchase of a handheld mixer, and it served me right. I just had to make many, many batches. And then I continued. But at this point, we have two of each, and we also have more than one employee in charge. We, it's really like a Broadway show. We have understudies, and they're all too happy to jump up. 
Yeah. And that's how you progress. Mm. And I'm the biggest understudy. I'm the, what's called the swing. So if the baker is not feeling good, I will start baking. Because you can do all the jobs within the... Well, you're supposed to, I think, yeah. you know. Well, can you still develop film I can, if necessary, yeah. if I right? To, sure, yeah. I used to visit my father's uh, work in the print shop and develop my own film. It was ah. so exciting. Black and white, seeing how things... Magic. Are your parents still... No, both my parents passed. My father was quite elderly and passed in his sleep. My mother was younger in her 60s, so that was very troubling. What do you think they would say to you now? They would ask for a piece of cake. (laughs) (laughs) I think they'd be pretty proud of you. They're proud, but they don't... um, They may not tell you, but... No, no, they told me, but also they expect, they would ask things like, what's new or what's What's, what's next? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't about you do it and it's over. No, and that's the immigrant mentality, though. Yes, but it's also the real artist mentality. Mm. There's a wonderful book, The Artist Way, mm-hmm. and it talks about it. It's not about perfection, but it's about moving on and striving. So you think they'd be proud of you? Yeah, but I'm proud of them too. Mm. And we are all... Um, we're not perfect people. Trust me, you should see me with my parents. But um, there's a sense of humanity. That, that's the important thing. Mm. You know, there are a lot of things I could not get from my parents because they, they got to be orphans in, in the teenagers' mm. years. So they could not give me some things, but they gave me plenty of others. So I always had the books, the art, the tools to accomplish things. And now I'm at a point that I accept that. Yeah. I mean, in a way, though, it's, you know, as much as they didn't give you, they gave you what you needed in a, in a, in a certain way. Well, this is very philosophical. But we always search, right? Of course. Okay, so I'm still single, and you can call me at 917. <laughs> well, Let's talk do, about relationships. If, if you want to find a relationship with no, 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 what's but the, the thing is, The thing, though, you know, we deal... Most of our business is weddings, right? Of course. I have corporate, I have barber, I mean, it's all the mostly wedding. And so, then so I'm not wed- I'm not married. Yeah. My longest relationship were 14 years, but I was much younger. Mm. And we're still best friends. So what about me? Will I ever be married? I like the idea of commitment. I love the party, of course. <laughs> so so what, what are we going to do about it? We'll find you somebody, Rob. How? Well, let's. This is a great. Uh, how many thousands of people listen to this podcast? Hopefully, hopefully, with your platform, thousands. So my requirements are: you cannot be too young, you cannot be too old, you cannot be too heavy set, you cannot be too skinny. Uh, I don't know if I have any other requirements. You have to love cake. That's for sure. You have to be okay. Yeah. Into dessert. Not just a pretty boy like you, Anthony. <laughs> No, I want to be totally respectful of your time. I know I appreciate you doing this, and I know you have clients to meet, and it is Monday. So before I let you go and run out of here. um, Oh, let me ask you. So obviously clients, every day we set up two or three different meetings Mm -hmm. because people plan sometimes a year, sometimes half a year, but many times last minute. And I like to meet with as many clients as possible. 
hours. Do you have set hours or do you meet people in any time? No, I try to have set hours. You know, I mean, I, I try to not meet clients on Monday. Um, I try to meet clients Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, afternoon That's or good. evenings, yeah. you know, and then Fridays, I try not to have any client meetings because typically I'm working on the weekends and I need a break. Um, I need a right. break for myself just spiritually. And um, So when you shoot, it's usually later in the day, right? In the yeah, evening? Yeah, my hours are on the weekends are 2 to 12, 3 to 1, you know, right. roughly. Okay. So it's a lot. So I understand why you can meet people in the evening as well and yeah. Afternoon. With us, we start in the bakery. We'll be open at seven thirty or eight. You don't get resistance from clients wanting you to come in between nine and five. Less because I explain uh, that these are business hours where they're going to meet our crew. They're going to be able to observe the process of making mm. cakes, and I explain that I'm very hands on. So if I were to meet people in the evening, uh, I would lose the connection. And I said, you know, we have to be reasonable. I can only work as many hours a day. And if you want to meet me, I'm hands-on with the baking, with the decorating. Come and be part of that experience. Mm. And most people comply. If they insist, then I'm not the right baker for them. I don't believe that a baker could function late at night. Well, no, because you guys keep baker's hours, which are early in the morning. Very early. We use, since we're on the 13th floor, we have daylight. So why not be part of that experience? You may have to take some time off work, but it's still within business hours. Mm. I explained to the clients that the weekends are devoted to delivering and setting up the cakes on location and then staying in touch until the job is completed. So surely you don't want us to meet other clients in your wedding date. They're devoted to each individual client. Mm. And I think it makes sense. But uh, I can't serve everybody as it is, and not everybody is going to be available. I feel that there is a logic behind it, and if people understand, great. Mm. So my my final question for you before I, I let you run out of here is if you could give yourself one piece of advice from 10 or 15 years ago that would <sighs> drastically change your life, what would it be, Ron? I would say that in hindsight... I would have benefited from working out, physically working mm. out, instead of leaving everything behind mm. and just concentrating on the baking. It does take a toll. And in the past seven years, I've been back to, I, I call it a studio rather than mm -hmm. a gym, but I have a trainer three times a week and I do those things regularly. I meditate, I work out. So I invest back in my own body and mm. health, which is not something I did when I started. I was younger, so my recovery was faster. Isn't it amazing? It is amazing, <laughs> but it takes, uh, the body has to be, especially when you work physically and you're on your feet for so many hours, it's really great. Um, it's not something that I would have considered long time. People said exercise. I used to say, I hate exercising, but now I like it mm. and I look forward to it and I take off certain times in the week and I go and I have a commitment to a trainer. So my trick is, to pay for the whole month in advance and to commit. And you know, if you don't show up- You lose your money. Right, so I always show, show up. up. Ah. I also feel ashamed not showing up. Ah. So, you know, I may not feel like that in the evening, late, going to do push-ups, but once I'm there, I'm on. Well, Ron, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Anthony. You're a beautiful human being. Oh, super successful. Why don't you show it to me physically? <laughs> <laughs> if, if 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 I ever change that way, you'll be the first. No, you're call. very good. You're very um, <laughs> loving and and you're what you say in Yiddish, uh, 
a what's the word a mensch mensch a I'll human being I right yeah, yeah, yeah i appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're beautiful thank you i appreciate you doing this and taking the time hey everybody doing this has been an absolute journey and an amazing time i have learned so much and i want to thank you all for listening in if you kindly would we would just ask you for your support uh, if you've liked the show if you've gained anything from it please leave us a five-star review on itunes or any of the other platforms where you are viewing this we would greatly appreciate it and it means the world